Everybody love the Lord. Say one more. Amen. Man, are you springing forward still? You springing forward good? I'm feeling pretty good about spring. How about you? I'm, I'm enjoying the, the time change. I love it. Stay lighter later. I don't mind it getting dark. It, I don't know, getting darker later. I can't remember that, but I love the, the long days and I love the spring. It's my favorite time of the year. Uh, and so uh, I appreciate you being here instead of being home mowing the grass. In fact, a couple of Sundays ago, we started off spring with a bang. We, we fed the homeless through a ministry that's been doing this for a number of years, actually. Uh, and we fed 70 plus people a meal and gave them a backpack full of goodies. And so we want to thank each of you. Come on, let's give them a hand and let them know we appreciate them making a difference. And in just a few weeks, I'll be back in Mexico drilling water wells. And if you want to go with me, if you're a guy and you want to go with me, it's not too late to go. We'll make it happen for you. All you need is a passport and some plane ticket money, and I'll probably buy your lunch. Uh, and so uh, if you'd like to go to Mexico, it's Monday through Saturday. You won't miss anything but work. Uh, so uh, we're glad to have you the opportunity to come. So we're going to continue making a difference everywhere we go. And this morning is no different. I want to begin a series today called Living the Life. Everybody say, Living the Life. You know, you see people who you, who you, uh, you know, maybe a little t- twinge of jealousy. Maybe they got the new car, the new house, you know, the new wife or whatever, uh, or what, you know, you're looking and you're like, oh, they seem to be, they're just living the life. We, we tend to look at, you know, sports figures who have more money than they've got since and, and they, oh, they're living the life. But let me tell you something. Life is much more than things and stuff. Are you with me? And as a believer, we've got to embrace what it means to really live the life that God has for us. Sadly today, everybody just give me a little frown just for a moment. Sadly, a lot of God's people are living far beneath their God-given potential. That makes me sad. It makes me sad when I see people who God loves, who are His children who have been born again, who maybe even have been filled with the Holy Spirit, but yet they are not living the life that God has for them to live. In fact, my Bible teaches me, and we're going to talk about this today, that when you become a Christian, old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. And so for the next few Sundays, we're going to be discussing Living the life. In fact, I've got a memory verse for you. I want you to turn, turn to uh, Ephesians and the Gospel of John. You can hold your place in Ephesians, but I want you to go to John chapter 10. John chapter 10. This is a verse that I memorized many years ago. And uh, this is uh, the New King James uh, version. I want you to memorize this with me. Are you ready? Can you do this? Look at your neighbor and say, we can do this. Here we go. Let's read it out loud together. John 10, 10. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. Let me pause right there. I heard about five of you. It just helps me when I know when I can hear you. Okay. Are you ready? Visitors alike. Here we go. Everybody together. John 10, 10 says the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that you may have life and that you may have it more Read it again. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. 
I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Look at your neighbor and tell them Jesus was talking about you and me. He wants us to have life. Now, let me give you a little, little knowledge. You want a little head knowledge? How many of your neighbor needs a little head knowledge? Okay. All right. Let me give you a little just knowledge about this word life. There's basically in the New Testament two words that are translated life. One of them is zoe. Everyone say zoe. That's spiritual life. Okay. Another one I believe, mm, Josh, help me. I had it on the tip of my tongue. Uh, mm, I'll get it in a minute. Uh, it'll come to me. But it just basically means your physical life, you know, the breath in your, in your body, you know, and, and life, a physical life that we have. Uh, look around and make sure everyone here has physical life. If not, we need to call somebody. Everybody alive. Uh, breathe. That's physical life. The word I'm, part, Josh is looking it up. Thank God for Google. Uh, it's, uh, anyway, I'll move on and he'll, you just holler it out, Josh, when you get it. Uh, it's just physical life. Uh, anyway, this word right up here on this verse that you might have life. Everyone say Zoe. That's spiritual life. Jesus came not just so we could have physical life and air, you know, in our lungs and, 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 uh, uh, blood pumping through our veins, even though he created us and we are God's creation. Everybody, all God's creation say amen. He came that we may have what? Spiritual life, life. And I'll explain that more in a moment. And not just life to survive, not just to get in heaven by the hair of your chinny chin chin, but in this life, come on, somebody say in this life, in this life, God wants to, wants us to live the life he has for us more abundantly. The Greek phrasing there is superabound. Just to abound supernaturally with spiritual life. Let's read it together. John 10, 10, what does it say? The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have and have that more abundantly. Amen. How many of you could use some abundant living in your, amen. You don't want to live beneath your God-given potential. And so for the next few weeks, we're going to hammer this verse and we're just going to ask God to give us what it takes to live the life that he has for us. And let's be honest. I'm going to ask everybody to be honest <coughs> this morning. How many of you could say, I'm not really sure if I'm living the life that he has for me more abundantly? How many of you just not sure you could use it? Okay, we got lots of you. How many just think you're right on target? You don't need any help in living the life. Well, you can go to the restaurant now. Anybody? Okay. You're all here because you know you need to live the life. We've got life that we need to live. My responsibility as your pastor is to help you not only be a model for you, but to point the way for you and not only know the way and go the way, but show the way to live the life. And here's what I believe. This spring, it's spring. I love spring. Spring is, is a time for new things, right? 
Man, I love new things coming up, new, new flowers. And, and in fact, I've got an old potted plant that we stored away. I don't remember what it is, but it's been in the dark, but I looked in there, uh, in the storage and I see life trying to come out in the middle of darkness, in the middle of an old damp warehouse. There's life trying. I said, bless its heart. I need to get that thing out so it can live. And let me just say, uh, in reference to all of us, there's, uh, there's evidence coming that there's life, but we need to live the life more abundantly. Amen. It's spiritual life. Now to, to help you today. In fact, here's another verse about this. This will kind of help you. John three sixteen. What does it say? God so loved the world should not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. That's that Zoe word again, everlasting life. So this is what we're talking about. And let me just say, when you begin to live the Zoe life that God has for you, it'll affect your bios life or your biological life. It'll affect every area of your life. Amen. And so with that in mind, let me give you a little insight, a little understanding about the true nature of man. How many of you know we're all created in the image of God? God the Father, God His Son Jesus, God the Holy Spirit. You've heard of the Trinity. I'm not going to try to explain that to you this morning. But God uh, is made manifest in three different facets. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Okay, though they are three, they are one. And and uh, we're not here to try to explain all that. But how many of you know, uh, in fact, let's tell me your name, your first name right now. What's your name? Okay, Beverly, Sam, Jim, and all of you, you're one person, but you have three parts. And here it is. It's what the Scripture teaches us. You have a body, which is your physical body. You have a soul, which is what people have called your mind, your will, and your emotions. Kind of makes up who you are, your personality. How many of you know we're all different and unique? We're not all the same. We have a soul, our mind, our will, our emotions, our intellect, the way we think, the way we act. And then we have a spirit, body, soul, and spirit. Everyone say body, soul, and spirit. In fact, if you want proof of that, 1 Thessalonians 5.23, Paul, in fact, uh, you don't need to turn there. I just, I was going to try to quote it, but I think I would butcher it. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says this. Uh, I'm getting there. It says, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we're made up of three parts, body, soul, and spirit. I want to say it, body, soul, and spirit. In fact, here's where a lot of people don't get it. You know, secular society does not understand the spiritual side of things. Uh, and and, and our, our spirit is the part of us that God made to fellowship with Him. You get it? In fact, Job says this in Job 32, 8, there is a spirit in man. Everyone say there's a spirit in man. Now, humanity at large has a what I'll call a global God problem. And it's called sin. When sin entered the world, and where did that happen? In the garden of what? 
with Adam and Eve. In fact, Genesis uh, 2.17 says this, the day that you eat of it, speaking of the tree that they were not supposed, the knowledge of good and evil, they were not supposed to partake. You can have anything you want, just don't eat from this tree. But the day you eat it, what does it say? You shall surely die. What's he talking about? Their physical body? No, because we know when they ate of it, they did not die physically. But what did they do? They died spiritually. Their spirit man died because of sin. And what does the Bible say about sin? It separates us from God. Now, I want to show you these two scriptures. One, they're in Genesis, in Genesis 2.17. And in a moment, I'm going to show you Revelation 21 at the end of days. And then we're going to look at what happened in the middle for just a moment. So, hey, the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. In fact, Romans 5.12, you can write it down, look it up later. It says this in reference to what happened in the garden. Now, follow me. It says, therefore... Just as through one man, sin entered into the world. That's Adam. When Adam and Eve sinned, sin entered into the world. And Romans 5.12 says, follow me, and death through sin. And thus death spread to all men because all have sinned. We're all natural born sinners. Are you with me? And so no matter who you are on planet earth, you were born in sin. And because of that, your spirit, that place that is designed by God to fellowship with God, is dead. And because sin entered, you cannot fellowship with God. Are you with me? You following me? In fact, let me give you another scripture. You've heard this one, Romans 6.23. The wages of sin is... Say it out loud with me. The wages of sin is death. Our spirit man is dead. Now, before I give you this, this verse in Revelation, let me, let me just, th- you remember Nicodemus in John 3? In fact, we'll look at it in just a moment. But God, Jesus said to Nicodemus, who came to him at night, who was, who was just hungry and thirsty, he didn't understand. And, and, and he said, you gotta be, Jesus told him, you gotta be born again. Everybody say, born again. Nicodemus couldn't get a grip on that. He said, born again? What do you mean? Can a man enter into his mother's womb again? I don't understand. What's this born again thing? And Jesus begins to minister to him about his spirit. He said, that which is born of water is, that's, that's physical birth. You've got to be born of water, but then you've also got to be born of the Spirit. He inferred the fact that, hey, even though you've been born physically, there's something wrong with your spirit, and it needs to be what? Born again. Everybody say, born again. And so we'll look at that later. And even if we don't, you just go back and read about Nicodemus in John 3 because Jesus is explaining to him there's a problem with all humanity. Their their spirit man is dead. That's why Jesus came so we could be born again. Our spirits become alive. Now, Genesis 2.17 says the day you eat of this fruit, eat of this tree, you'll surely what? Die. Now let's fast forward. I love to go to the end of the story sometimes. Do, some, do you do that sometimes? You just don't want all the middle ground. You say, I got to know how this ends out. I got to know how it all pans out. And in fact, if you study the end times, there's a lot of different beliefs about how it all ends. I'm a pan millennialist. Some people are pre millennialists. They believe Jesus is going to come in the rapture before the tribulation. 
Some people are mid-tribbers. They believe halfway through the tribulation period uh, that the church is raptured out of here. Some people are post. They don't believe in the rapture. They believe all the church is going through the tribulation. You say, which one are you? I'm neither, I'm none of them. I'm a pan-millennialist. I believe that somehow in the end it's all going to pan out. I'm not sure where I stand. I'm a pat, but here's how it pans out. Here, here's what it says in Revelation 21, 4, speaking of the heavens and the new earth. And it talks about there's no more sickness. There's no more crying. There's no more pain. And it says this in Revelation 21, 4, and there shall be no more death. What happened in the garden? Sin entered. And that's why Jesus had to come. Because of the sin problem, the global God problem, man could not get back to God because of sin. And so Jesus came, we'll look at that. And at the end of time, when it's all over in the end, and we're standing before God, there'll be no more death. Why? Because the sin problem had been taken care of. Amen. So with that in mind, let me give you an important point to ponder. Everyone say an important point to ponder. You want to read it with me? You want to read it together out loud? Do y'all mind talking out loud in church? Here we go. Here's the point to ponder. Everything between the Garden of Eden and the glory of eternity, both past, present, and future, has been for the global God goal of raising that which is dead back to life. Read it again. Everything between the Garden of Eden and the glory of eternity, both past, present, and future, has been for the global God goal of raising that which is dead back to life. And I love the two scriptures when you put Genesis 2 uh, with Revelation 21 together. Hey, the day you eat of it, you sure, surely die. But in the end, there's no more death. That's pretty victorious. Everybody say amen. So with that in mind, turn to the book of Ephesians. I want to show you something in Ephesians. Just building a foundation. And, and here, uh, the here's the global good news that we were talking about. That God had a plan to deal with the sin problem. Look in Ephesians. I'm just going, we're going to hit, a, hit quite a few scriptures. Look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. Everyone say, in Him. That's a big H. It's speaking of Jesus. In Him... We have what? Redemption. In other words, he paid for us. How did he pay for us? Through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. Now that one verse is power packed right there. Everybody say power packed. Let's let, let me read it to you again because, hey, this is the global good news. This is the gospel. In him, we have redemption through his blood. In other words, he paid for us with his blood and there's forgiveness of sins. There's where we get back in right relationship with God. There's where God begins to answer this global uh, God problem. There's where we can begin to see that in the end of time, there's no more death because God has dealt through his son, Jesus, through the plan of God on Calvary to deal with the sin problem. Now, look over in Ephesians chapter two. I'm going to read until I get tired here. Because this is great. You say, Pastor, you're reading a lot of, of Bible. Listen, how many of you know we need more Bible and less? Uh, we just need more Bible. Look at your neighbor and say, we need more Bible. 
You need more Bible. I've been accused of not giving enough Bible, uh, uh, you know, and, and, and uh, I'll apologize for that if it's true. I don't really sure, but uh, let me give you some Bible. Here we go. Follow me. We're talking about God's global good news about the fact that we once were dead and now we can be alive. And you, he made alive who were dead in trespasses and what? in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God, everybody say, but God. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses he made us alive together with christ for by grace you have been saved and here it is what what's been god's what's been happening between genesis 2 and what will happen all the way to we get to revelation 21 it says but god who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in trespasses made us alive together with christ By grace you have been saved. And what did he do? He raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ that in the ages to come he might show the riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. Everybody say through faith. And that's not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I'm telling you, that's some good news. Amen. His mercy and grace came down upon us and by, by the cross of Christ, he paid a great price. All we have to do is, as we'll see in a few moments, is begin to believe and have confidence in this good news. Amen. Now, however, listen, let me back up. I got you all excited about the good news. Let me back up. Let's, let's, let's keep at it here. In order to begin living the life. Everybody say living the life. Everybody go living the life. In order to live, begin living the life. One must first deal with the reality of spiritual death. If you want to live, you got to realize you're first dead. You're dead. Are you with me? You got to realize, hey, I'm spiritually dead. In fact, Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That means everybody. So that means everybody. In fact... You remember Isaiah 53? I don't, let me see what verse I'm going to, verse six. It says this, all we like sheep have gone astray and everyone has turned to his own way. And the Lord or God laid on him, that is Jesus, the iniquity of us all. He took our place, paid for uh, uh, our sin with his own blood. And, and so if we're going to begin living the life, we got to first deal with the reality of the fact that we are spiritually dead. Most secular mindsets have it backwards. What does a secular, ungodly, or even atheistic or mindset say? I'm gonna, I'm gonna live the life and then I'm gonna die. We're all gonna die one day. How many of you know we're all gonna physically die one day? 
Secular humanity has it backwards. I'm going to live. I'm going to get all I can and can the rest. Living the life, paying the, whatever. Woo, I got to, you know, man, let's, we got to live the life. We got to, we got to do all we can. We got to, we got to, we only go around once. Woo, come on, we got to live the life because one day we're just going to die. That's backwards. If you want to live the life that God has for you, you got to first realize you're dead spiritually, so you can then be lifed by God, just like God said to, uh, Jesus said to Nicodemus. You, you gotta have spiritual life. Amen. So we gotta deal with it. We gotta deal with the, with, with, with the reality that we're dead. Now, let me just, I'm building a foundation. Here's how we gain access to living the life. I'm gonna give you just two parts and then kind of, <coughs> Fill it in with some good news. Here we go. We gain access to living the life through the finished work of Jesus Christ. What he did on Calvary's cross. What are, what are Jesus' famous last words before he died on the cross? It is finished. Somebody say finished. In other words, everything that I needed to do to accomplish what God sent me to do has been completed. Everybody say, it is finished. And I want to tell you today what Jesus did on Calvary's cross. What did he say? He came, John 10, 10. The thief comes but for to steal, but for to kill and to destroy. But I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. That's why he came. And that's why he died on the cross and paid a price for our sins so we could have a new life. Because Jesus didn't stay dead. Somebody say amen. You know, Buddha's still in the grave. Mohammed's still in the grave. Every religious leader on planet earth is still in the grave. There's only one that validated his lordship and his godheadship. And that is Jesus Christ when he rose from the dead. And the Bible says that the demons and devils, if they'd have known that was going to happen, whew, we would have never crucified the Lord of glory. And so, listen, we gain access to living the life through the finished work of Christ. Go, are you in John 10? Did you go to John 10 earlier in Ephesians? Now, go back to John 10. We're going to, we'll probably hang out there a little, uh, in the next, uh, few Sundays, but I want to show you something right before he gets to John 10, 10. Look what he says. In fact, he's talking about the Jesus is the good shepherd and the door. Look what he says in verse seven. Follow with me. Here we go. I'm going to read it in John 10, nine and 10, but let's start in seven. Then Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. Everyone say he is the door. Now, what does a door do? A door gives you what? access. You gain access. I am the door. Everybody say, Jesus is the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be what? Saved. And will go in and out and find pasture. And then there's verse 10. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and destroy, but I've come that you may have life. (laughs) Pardon me. And that you may have it more abundantly. So he's the way to get eternal life. We gain access to this life that we want to live, this abundant life, through the doorway or the pathway of Jesus Christ. 
In fact, John 14, 6. In fact, let me pause here before I quote John 14, 6. When you think of all the Gospels and you think, if you go back to Easter Sunday and as we read about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you know, Peter doubted and, and, and was not sure about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Even Mary, before Jesus, the resurrected Christ, uh, uh, made himself manifest. When she's talking to angels, she still doesn't get it. She thinks somebody's stolen the body of Jesus, and so people aren't getting it. But John, who wrote the Gospel of John, he evidently was listening more because he was Jesus, if you want to say it this way, his best and closest friend. And John picked up some things throughout the three-year span of walking with Jesus that the other disciples didn't quite get. He got some things. In fact, he was humble about it when he wrote the gospel of John. He didn't even address himself. He said, and the other disciple, he's talking about himself. He said, you know, Peter ran and they're going this way and that way. But it says the other disciple, which is John, it says he saw the empty tomb and he believed. And so we see some things about John in the writings of John where I think he caught it more than anybody else that Jesus Christ was going to die and that he was going to pay a price for us and that he was going to rise again the third day. And he records things that none of the other gospels record. It doesn't mean they were inferior. It just means he caught some things they didn't. Aren't you glad? And here's one of them. In John 14, 6, uh, he quotes Jesus that says this, because Thomas, you know, Jesus said, I'm going to go and, and I'm coming again. And Thomas said to him, Lord... We do not know where you're going and how can we know the way? And oh, Thomas, he, you know, not only was he a doubter, but he was fearful. Oh, you're going to leave us. How, you know, don't leave me. Everybody, everybody get, give me your best pathetic voice and say, don't leave me. Don't leave me. That's the way Tom, oh, don't do that. Don't do that. And, and Jesus jumps into the middle of his mess and says this, I am the way, the truth. And the life, there's that Zoe life again. No one comes to the Father except through me. I'm the door. This is the way, I am the way and what I'm going to do for you and for all humanity will provide you a way to get back into God's fellowship. He said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. No one, everyone say no one. No one comes to the Father, speaking of God, except through me. There's only one way to get back in right relationship with God, and that's through Jesus Christ. Are you with me? Say amen. There is no other, there is no other way to find yourself standing before God and for Him to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Come on in. There's no other way. You gotta go through Jesus and what He did on Calvary's cross. Now, <coughs> let me build on that thought after I clear my throat. Everybody raise your hands and say, blessing Jesus. Let me build on that. Number two, we gain access to living the life through faith in the finished work of Christ. Just because Jesus died and rose again the third day does not make us right with God. 
We've got to have faith in that finished work. We've got to put our trust in. We've got to rely upon. We've got to cling to. In fact, let's go. Let me see how much time i got. Let's go to Nicodemus real quick. Go to John 3. Back up to John 3. Let me show you old Nick. Nick, Nick had some issues, but Nick had enough sense to at least uh, seek out the Lord and began to ask him some serious questions. Verse uh, 1, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless you one is what? Somebody say it out loud. Born again. I think the word came to me, Josh. I think it's suke, just for kicks. Everybody say suke. It's just, it, it has to do with 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 your breath, but it just has to say, I knew it'd come to me in the middle of some strange point. That's the other Greek word for life. But here we go. Let me get back in. Nicodemus said, Jesus said to Nicodemus, most surely I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into uh, to his mother's womb and be born? Jesus said, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the <coughs> flesh is flesh. That which is born in the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sounds, but cannot tell where it comes from or where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the spirit. Nicodemus answered and said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered and said to him, are you a teacher of Israel and don't know these things? I love that. You say you're a teacher, you don't know this. This is the most elementary of all things. You don't know these things. Most assuredly, Jesus said, I say to you, we speak that what we know and testify what we've seen, and you do not receive our witness. If I told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you, if I tell you heavenly things, now he's beginning to tell him how you gain access. You gotta believe some things. You gotta trust in, rely upon, and cling to some things. Verse 13, no one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven, that is the Son of Man who is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be, uh, be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. You see, you got to have faith in the cross for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever does what? Believeth. Not just head knowledge, but this word believe means to put your absolute trust in. I trust him. I believe what he did for me. I rely upon what he said to me. I rely upon the power of the cross and the blood of Jesus. I believe in him with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. He that believeth on me should not perish, but have everlasting life. Boom, I'm born again. Somebody say amen. In fact, Ephesians said, even that faith, it's not of yourself. It's a gift of God. He's given you faith to believe on him. John chapter 11, Lazarus, the friend of Jesus, has died. And Lazarus had two sisters. Anybody know their names? Martha and Mary. 
Martha and Mary were two different peas. They were not two peas in a pod. One was very intent on the things of Jesus and, and worshiping Him. And, and the other one, Martha, was she the hard worker? I get them mixed up. Martha was all busy with much business. And here Lazarus has died and they think Jesus is late. By this time he's in the tomb. Uh, and, and Jesus said, I'm, I'm able to raise him from the dead. And, Martha said, well, we, we know you can do this in the last day. We, they had their eschatology together. They, they knew, well, we know he's going to rise in the, in the last day. We got that figured out. But Jesus said, well, Martha, you don't know who you're talking to. I am the resurrection and the life. And look what he says next. You can read it. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes, somebody say believes. What, what happens? He that believes, he said, what is he going to do? Anybody know? What's he going to do? He said, he that believes on me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And then he said, do you believe this? Look at your neighbor and say, do you believe this? If you don't believe that, you're not going to heaven. Did you know that? That's the only way to get spiritual life. You see, what we're talking about is if you want to live the life, you've got to first realize I'm spiritually dead and that Jesus came to, to breathe life into my spirit, man, that is dead and separated from God. He who believes in me shall never die, he said. Never die. You see, if you're a Christian, all the Christians who have great confidence in the eternity with Christ say amen. If you're a Christian today, though your physical body dies, you, my friend, <coughs> will never die. You just boom into the presence of God. Everybody go boom into the presence of God. Amen. I see, when I breathe my last moment on planet Earth, it will be the instant I see His face. I never die. I just change locations. Are you with me? Say amen. And then depending on your eschatology and how you figure it all out, that means the study of the end times, uh, Jesus will come again. And the Bible says, <coughs> pardon me, the dead in Christ will rise. Did you know you'll get a new body one day? Somebody go, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Woo! In fact, if I had time, I would go in that new body that it won't get sick. It won't get old. You'll be good looking for eternity. Amen. It don't get chubby. Woo. Thank you, Jesus. No sorrow, sickness. You get a new body. Praise the Lord. You got a new life. Amen. So, so that's the access. Have faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Let me show you, let me show you a couple of verses in Romans and then, then I'm going to give you some quick bullet points and then we're going to go home. Well, you may not go home. You may go out to eat, but let me, let me show you something in Romans. You, do, you got to get this down and then we'll, then we'll move on. Look in Romans chapter three, 
And if you don't have these marked in your Bible, you need to mark this down. Verse 21, here it is. We're talking about gaining access through the finished work of Jesus Christ. But now the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed. In other words, this is how you get righteous by not keeping... In fact, you can't keep the law and be righteous. He said, but now the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through what? Somebody say through faith. There's the access into new life in Christ. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all, to all and on all who what? Believe. Everybody say believe. There's no difference for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Being justified, declared just as if you'd never sinned, being justified freely by his grace. Here it is again, the gospel, the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Somebody say amen. Now look over in chapter 5 in Romans. I'm going to just read some more scripture, and I'm going to give you some bullet points that make you go home happy. Here we go. Romans 5. Therefore, having been justified, that's declared righteous, just as if you'd never sinned. Therefore, having been justified by what? By faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have what? Access by what? Faith. We have access by faith. You don't get to God any other way. Listen to me. You can't work your way into God's grace. You can't be good enough to get to God. You can't serve your brother or your sister long enough to get to God. You get to God and you get life by God and you live the life that he has for you by faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. And that's not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. I'm telling you, it's all Him. Somebody say amen. I got all worked up there. Sorry about that. Now, some quick bullet points. Here we go. The true faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ provides us some things. I've hit them already, but let me just kind of focus in on them. Number one, provides us forgiveness from sin. Somebody say amen. That's what Ephesians 1, 7 said, forgiveness of sin through his blood. Forgiveness. In fact, it's washed what? It's white as snow. Jesus not only forgives, but he does what? Forgets. Some of us keep bringing it up to Jesus, and he says, wait a minute, I've already forgiven that, and I've forgotten it, so I don't really know what you're talking about. <laughs> don't confuse. No, he can't get confused. He gives forgiveness. Number two. The finished work of Jesus Christ, faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ provides us not only forgiveness of sin, but freedom from the dominion of sin. The Bible teaches that before you're born again, you're a slave to sin. Read Romans 6. And if you want to read Ephesians chapter 1 through 15, it says, We're seated with Christ in heavenly places far above all principality and power and force in the earth. In other words, we've got authority over the principalities and the powers, and we've been delivered. We have freedom. Somebody shout, Freedom! I'm free. 
We need to, hey, I don't know why Michael's upstairs. We used to sing free, free, free. Thank the Lord I'm free. I can't even remember the, the old Pentecostal line. But listen, we need to walk through life going, not only am I forgiven, but I'm free. I am not bound by sin. I'm not under the control of sin. If I do sin, I did because I wanted to. And I need to stop doing that. I've been free from this sin. I'm not under the bondage of sin. I'm under the bondage and the governance of God Almighty in my life because of what Christ has done for me. I'm free. Thank the Lord. I'm free. I won the victory. Can y'all tell I love what I do? Hey, let me just tell you, I live for Sunday morning. All the other days are just days, but Sunday morning, it's like, it's like a Rabid dog on a ham bone. Oh, I love it. I don't know. I understand why everybody else doesn't love Sunday like I do. I love Sunday. Whew. I look at my wife and say, it's Friday. You know it's Friday. But Sunday's coming. Freedom. True faith in the finished work of Christ provides us forgiveness of sin, freedom from the dominion of sin. And then number three, a future that is victorious over sin. In fact, if you read Ephesians 2, 6, and 7, let me see if I can get there quick enough to, to do that for you. Ephesians 2, 6, and 7 says this, He raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come, that's our future, He might show us the exceeding riches of His grace and His kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. In other words, the longer you live on planet Earth, the better it ought to be getting in your life. If things are going south on you instead of north and up, upwards, you're, you're something missing in your spiritual life. Uh, if you're not happier today than you were yesterday, if you're not more in, in love with Jesus today than you were day before yesterday, if something's not stirring up on the inside of you about your future. In fact, my Bible tells me, uh, Jeremiah 29, 11, God loves me and he's got a future. He's got a plan for me. He said, I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of future and a, a, and a hope to give you a future and a hope. I, that's God's plan for you. It's a great future. It doesn't matter what the gas prices are. It doesn't matter who the president is. I don't know who it's going to be. I ought to run next time. Go, I can pick you. <laughs> oh man, they don't want a bow-legged preacher man. I'd rather do this. Hey, listen, it doesn't matter. We've got a future. Then finally, the true faith in the finished work of Christ provides us a focus for living the life for the glory of His name. Ephesians 2 10 says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. 
for His glory, for His honor. He said, uh, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And then Ephesians 3 says, Now to Him, verse 20, to Him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to Him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Listen, our focus is different. You know, our name's the same, but we got a new way of living. We got a new way of walking. We got a new way of uh, a new, a whole new purpose in life to serve Him and give Him the glory and, and live for the fame and the glory of His name. That's what faith will do for you in the finished work. Amen. Well, it's eleven fifty-five. I'm done. Let's stand up. Whew, man! I gave you a boatload this morning. Gave you a boatload. Hey, Michael. Michael, you should have been in here. I was preaching good this morning. Oh, okay. He watched the video. All right. Now, let's do something together. You want to do something together? I don't know if you know who's standing next to you. Take somebody by the hand. If you don't know them, just go, it's a little uncomfortable, but let's do it anyway. Okay. Father, we take hands with one another today. As a symbol of our solidarity to the cross of Christ. Lord, even as this wooden symbol of your plan reminds us of what you did for us on the cross, the empty tomb reminds us that death shall not hold you nor us. And Lord, today in solidarity, we commit together to have faith in the finished work of Christ. To begin living the life that you have for us. A life more abundantly. Let it begin right now. I want everyone here just to take your neighbor's hand a little tighter and just say, Lord, let it begin now. In my life, in my friend's life, in my neighbor's life. Let it begin now. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Now give it a little squeeze and say, man, I love you. Tell somebody you love them. I love you, brother. Amen. Ooh.